0: Hi, I'm Brian Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Today, I'm talking to Jillian about fibromyalgia. I connected with Jillian through a chronic illness Facebook group, and we recorded this interview back in June. This is one of my first interviews, and my microphone was missing at the time we recorded, so I apologize right now for any and all sound quality issues. The intro and like the beginning and the end of this interview are a little bit abrupt, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. We ended up talking a lot about medical marijuana and legalization, which is funny because when we recorded this, I thought that recreational marijuana would be available in Massachusetts by July, and she was talking about the problems with legal gray areas in Canada. As it turned out, Canada has since completely legalized recreational marijuana, and Massachusetts still hasn't finished the process. We also talk a lot about the way chronic illness impacts your family life, and I really appreciate everything that Jillian shares about our own experiences with marriage and raising kids while living with fibro. As usual, I refer to my own health a lot throughout our conversation, so if you wanna know more about that, then check out episode one. And of course, I've got my normal disclaimer, this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms.
1: About awareness, and I'm trying to get it out there, and I only have so many ways to do that, like yeah, besides a little bit of Facebook and. Um, talking to people in my community, which no one where I live, well, actually, actually one lady does have fibromyalgia here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a whole lot of ways to get that awareness known, Yeah. especially for me and fibro. Yeah. So, and oddly enough, I was actually diagnosed in the States.
2: Oh, really? I'm just going to reach for yeah. my water. How about, do you want to tell me about the beginning of your kind of health Process so. Well,
1: okay. Most times you'll see people say or doctors are saying that there's been some traumatic childhood experience that makes you end up getting row or me Which I didn't really have a traumatic childhood. I had a good childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, or a, a injury of some sort. Well, I did fracture my skull at 17, pretty severe, off a horse. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, I, d- I don't remember <clears throat> ever not feeling really healthy, like I've always been tired, chronic tired. Yeah, like I've since always- you were a kid? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've been- Me too. I used to sleep 14 hours t- at a time, like I just slept. And then when I went into my industry of training horses and farming, mm-hmm. basically dairy farming, well, we're doing such wicked hours. You you put your tiredness down. So, oh, it's the work. It's work. Right. It's making me really tired. But when I went, I left it. I was still tired, and no doctors could never tell me like they never found a reason. And I'd be hospitalized once a year, at least twice, mm-hmm. and really sick, like vomiting, and not being able to keep anything down. And they never. They're just like. Oh, you're just, uh, you've got a virus or something. We'll keep you in a couple of days, dehydrate
2: you and you can go. So it looked kind of like stomach flu.
1: Yeah, that's what.
2: Like a regular yeah. twice a year stomach flu, just yeah. like, geez. <laughs> but
1: the difference is for the first part of my life, I didn't have the pain that I started getting. So,
2: so you were really tired for decades, I heard- would it be fair to say? For how long? Decades. Yeah. Yeah. Decades of fatigue and thinking that that was normal. Yeah, and yeah. random,
1: random being sick like, Right. for no reason. And then I'm gonna say I remember after I had my first second child. That's when I started feeling pain, but mm-hmm. not. It wasn't really bad pain. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my doctor, and she automatically said you're depressed. Yeah, and she put on the on uh what do you call it, Anti- anti-depressants, <clears throat> and like I remember saying to her, I don't have any reason to be depressed, I'm not depressed, I don't, you know, I have everything I want, blah, 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 and she still said, no, no, it's, you can be depressed, so I, I took the meds, mm-hmm.
2: and, and what kind of pain was it, like joint pain, or kind of generalized yeah. pain, or neuropathy, joint pain? Yeah,
1: so... Then, of course, I continued on with farming and with the horses and everything, and, and that's kind of what's that problem. I couldn't say that's what kept me going is my horses, but mm-hmm. um, anyways, so then, so my daughter was born 23 years ago, my my second child, so 23 years ago is when I started feeling the fibromyalgia part of things, but okay. I didn't know it.
2: Right. You just thought you were tired and you were starting well, to I- ache, and maybe that pain, depressed. pardon?
1: And the doctor told me I was depressed.
2: Right, yes. So, you know. This is
1: a common theme. Yeah, we, I mean, fibromyalgia back, we, I don't even think, I don't even think it was a word. Right. I don't think nobody used that word back then. So I went through life just thinking, well, this is a norm. And then when I moved to the States in, what year was that? My daughter was been 13? So like 10 years ago? Yeah. 10 or 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. I moved to the States and I started getting sick quite often and there was no reason for it. The doctor couldn't find anything wrong like a virus or he couldn't find I didn't have a cold but I was in bed weak with migraines and, and everything possible but I wasn't. there was no reason. So he's the one who told me you need... I'm gonna check you for fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. and that's where I, I found out about it. And he did the obviously by elimination, yeah. The blood tests, all the check your thyroid, check your uh, gallbladder, check your liver, check your kidneys, do the CBD blood counts, everything, right? Yeah. Everything came back good. Right. And so he did the. The common pressure points that they do test mm-hmm. certain. That's actually be is a little out. Uh, I think the doctors are moving away from that now. Okay. Because there, I know people that you can push on that pressure point and they don't feel
2: anything. Right. It's fine. And it,
1: they're still sick. Right. So he diagnosed me, put me on tramadol and a stomach pill, uh, Bux, Bux, Buxin, cam, whatever it is. And said, that's all. Like, he he didn't even give me a follow-up treat, nothing. Like, just put me on that.
2: Go out into the world.
1: So I went on that, and I felt better. And the tramadol made me feel very nice and relaxed and level-headed. And Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, this is the answer. And I was
2: happy about that. Were you still on antidepressants from before that? No, I stopped. You were off those? Okay.
1: I stopped. Uh, Probably three years into starting those that first set of them, Mm -hmm. I stopped,
2: and because they weren't helping the problem that you had, right? So,
1: and then my changed doctors, we moved and stuff. So, but I always put it down to it's my lifestyle, Mm -hmm. it's what I do, work. Maybe that's what it is—physical work,
2: long hours. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then I was away from it for so long. And it was still happening, so I thought, well, this isn't normal, right? Right. That's the one thing about the states that I love, and I, and healthcare is a huge debate I know between Canadians and Americans. Yeah. But I'm in the states. I got my diagnosis, and I got it pretty quick. Whereas here, it would have been a whole different story. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of get what you pay for there. Of course, I was married. To an American,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I still wasn't covered under uh, healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I paid for everything. Right. And in a sense, when you when you pay for it, you get your results and you get looked at, and I kind of like that idea. Whereas yeah. here you sit for five, ten years and wait. Right. So. After I moved back to Canada, I was like two years in the States, and I was on that tramadol net. I noticed when I got back to Canada, the tramadol stopped working. Okay. The pain, the pain, well, the pain was always there, but not as bad. Pain was getting back to being high levels, tiredness again, bump, everything.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Memory loss, all the cognitive functions were going.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So... Luckily, I have a friend here who knew a doctor, a specialist for multiple sclerosis.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So I went to see him. Well, he also was started, well, he written many books and he was not a fibro expert, but he knew enough about fibromyalgia to help me. Mm -hmm. So I went with him and he put me on, what I didn't like is he put me on about eight to Ten medications. Oh wow! I, yeah, so one pain, one for your sickness, one for your anxiety, one for your memory, one for this. Yeah, and I hate pills. I hate taking them. I absolutely don't like putting drugs in my body that I don't need to.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I'm not anti-medication, but it's hard when you're getting yeah. so many thrown at you that you can't really tell what is really helping and what isn't. So
1: yeah. So he was good in one way, and but in the other way, he, he prescribed way too many pills mm-hmm. all the time. So what I did was I started to research this on my own, mm-hmm. and I started to research and read stories of other people, and uh, seeing the the similarities and everybody that said, yeah, we were on medication, but it only would take or would only work for so long, and it wouldn't work, and that's exactly what's happening. Every medication I took would only work for so long mm-hmm. and wouldn't work anymore. Then he'd switch it to something else. Yeah. So I took myself off. I stayed on two of those <clears throat> pills. One was clonazepam, which I still take every night because for my sleep. Mm-hmm. And one was the Xanax for anxiety. Um, I took everything else off. My plate, and he was really good in the way that he would talk with you. And he said, "Well, it's your body. If you want to do this, we'll do the way things you want to do." Yeah. So then, so I, I obviously altered my lifestyle. I, I started to rest more. I, I went on medical leave from work. Okay. I. You know, I didn't have, at the time I came back from the States, I didn't have horses at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was really just taking care of myself. My kids, my two older kids were growing enough to look after themselves. Actually, my daughter had a baby in that time. So like, different chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I went, then I I met someone and and I actually at forty. 43, I became pregnant, which I didn't think I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. So, well, the first pregnancy I ended up miscarrying.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we planned the second one to see, because he, he didn't have any children of his own.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I said, okay, well, the reason I miscarried that first one is because I'm on medications. Mm-hmm. Very high, like very harsh medications that would
2: you
1: know, do that. So I went off the medications, and I got pregnant again, and I stayed off, because when you're pregnant, it masks your fibro symptoms.
2: I was just going to ask that, because I've heard that before. So how did you feel when you were pregnant? Did you have any new symptoms, or did you resolve? Like, what changed? The first three months was health. Like I was sick as sick as sick as sick sick could be. Like like nauseous and...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Morning sickness, I mean terrible morning sickness. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, they can only do so much when you're pregnant. You can't take too much. So, finally, in the third month, it left. And then it was a really good pregnancy. I was pain... I was heavily tired. I was fatigued. was there, of course.
2: Yeah. But I was pain-free. Okay. So your pain symptoms cleared up while you were pregnant. (laughs) Was the fatigue kind of the same as what you were used to? Oh, so yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to do everything, it, but. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I asked my doctor or I told him my pain wasn't there when I was pregnant. He said, no, he said fibromass pregnancy pains. That's mm-hmm. kind of your break from it. Yeah. So I said, okay. So we,
2: That's so interesting.
1: That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people ask too, like. They ask if they should get pregnant. Right. How does how is it gonna affect them? Mhm. And I mean, I'm sure for some people it doesn't mass the pain, but primarily he told me most it does. It's so pretty
2: common. I mean.
1: So after I had my, my daughter my youngest daughter, it came it really everything just started getting really bad. Like I was getting flares all the time. hmm And I was on only the Two medications. So then I looked into um, medicinal marijuana. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had smoked pot early in my teen life. Like, I in had, your life. Even like, yeah. Sure. And I had noticed, like, when actually when I first came back from Canada, I had somebody, one of my friends said, try this at night, it's going to help. And it did. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like was buying it off the street. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know who, what was in it.
2: Yeah, that's the thing, and that's the thing that's changing so quickly now in a lot of places.
1: What province are you in? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. So I ended up finding a dispensary. This is before any talk of legalization happened. Mm -hmm. And she has medicinal quality everything like edibles, fakes, Mm -hmm. cream, everything. So I started with the edibles. I took the THC edibles and the CBD edibles. Mm-hmm. Well, the THC, if I mean, I couldn't find an amount small enough that wouldn't make me super high all day. Why well, right. want to be that way? Yeah. I, I can't function and be really high. Yeah. Have a child. And <laughs> no. you know, I started tracking the horses. So there was no way. Yeah. So then I, I actually stopped it for a while. Did you find and the just, CBD
2: helpful? The, like just CBD, it's not for pain, not right. the pain. Okay,
1: it actually helps with um, clarity and more of your fibro fog. Okay, It'll so help with, with mental yeah. stuff, yeah. And the THC, like I said, it, it took the pain away, but
2: not if you, you wanted to. to... Right? Yeah, right.
1: So. I went away from it for a while, and I've been living with pain for, jeez, over 20 years. I'm. It's almost like I'm so used to it. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always in pain. It doesn't matter. I'm in pain, and you get. You just get used to it. Yeah. So I went away from it for a while, and it's expensive. Yeah. And i thought i went i my doctor retired so i had to find another doctor now this is where it got silly finding another doctor that knew anything about fibro in saskatchewan is a joke mm-hmm. or me mm-hmm. and then one that'll support you doing medicinal marijuana sure <clears throat> so i got my medicinal my i actually have my like a card So, I tried a few doctors. I was called a drug addict. I was sent to a psychiatrist who was supposed to help me get off drugs, which I was not on.
2: Right. You weren't, it wasn't like you were using it constantly or were worried about your consumption. Yeah.
1: So, the psychiatrist said to me, why are you here? And I said, well, because this doctor sent me here. He goes, well, it says that you're addicted to drugs. I said, are you kidding? Yeah. And so, he assessed me and he said, you're not, you're not relying on drugs (laughs) no he's
2: like i'm not worried
1: so i actually was gonna give a my piece of my mind to that doctor but i never did (laughs) i hunted around and i found this other one and he actually sat down and listened Mm -hmm. like a lot of doctors they want you in and out they don't want to hear what you're talking about right he actually sat down and listened and i told him everything and he said well okay i'll be honest with you he said i don't know enough about medicinal marijuana, so I can't support it, but I'm not going to be against it. Yeah. So he said, I'm, I can't. I won't prescribe it right now, but I'm willing to learn about it. Mm-hmm. And then he said, the fiber part, he said, I'm not an expert. He said, but I think between you and I, we can work together. And he literally does. He asks me, what do you think you need? Like, he yeah. knows the research I've done. Right. <clears throat> and so I can go in and say, well, Dr. Juggernaut today uh, uh, or, you know, this, uh, like right now, for example, I'm going off an antidepressant I'm with. uh with. Again, I was very, anxiety was very out of control.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'll go in and I'll just say to him, this citra- uh, citlopram, I'm not going to take it anymore because I don't need it anymore. And he'll say, okay, and he'll sign me off. Right. Or when he put me on Cymbalta, I'll, I research Every medication I go on, I research it. Mm-hmm. And I said, doctor, do you know that this stuff is going to kill me faster than the fibro? or anything? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, no, I said, I'm not going on this. No problem. Like, he's very good about that.
2: That sounds incredible compared to what a lot of doctors are like. In oh, my I experience. know. <laughs> yeah. Like, he'll,
1: he'll, and and he's very accommodating. Like, um, most times now I have to wear sunglasses and else I'm sensitive to light really badly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he will, like, say, do, do you want me to shut the lights off? And And he is, he's. Told me what kind of sunglasses I should get. And, mm-hmm. Like he's really good that way. Mm-hmm. Nobody's not. A, no other doctor did that. Right. Other than my specialist. and of course he's
2: retired. Not right. So, so
1: that's good. I got all that. A good doctor right now. Mm-hmm. And I also found out from uh, another guy that's got fibromyalgia in the city that he found a doctor that's really good about it and actually has prescribed him medicinal marijuana and did it for free. Mm-hmm. So that was really good.
2: Yeah. Because, you know, I
1: paid 90 bucks.
2: Yeah, had- oh, for yeah. the card, for the consultation. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I had to get a, a psychologist from Vancouver to
2: give me the prescription. Gotcha.
1: Like, So, I mean, maybe the medical community is starting to realize... Or I actually don't think the medical community thinks that it's harmful. I think the pharmaceutical company has told the medical community we don't want this on the market. We don't want this being used because it is it's beneficial. Right. And it's gonna take away from all our products. Yeah and we're not gonna make any money.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. So so that's kind of where you are now. So what, so are you working now? Stuff? No. No, not working. Because you oh. said, because you went back for, so you took a medical leave, I know, quite a while ago.
1: Yeah, then I went, how did that work? I went for, then went back to work for a while, and then I said, no, this isn't, I can't do this. I'm mm-hmm. not a productive worker. Right. I could go in, and I could maybe do three hours, or I'd have, and they were accommodating. I got extra long breaks, mm-hmm. I could, you know, go sit if I needed to, I, if I missed a date it wasn't a big deal, <clears throat> but that's not a, to me that's not a productive worker, that's, no. that's, that's, I don't like that, so, I quit, and my doctor said, you're ready to apply for disability, mm. and he wrote a letter, and he was very good at how he wrote that letter, because it was truth, and it was
2: written properly,
1: mm-hmm. according to what I was denied,
2: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, that's a hard process, isn't it? Yep. Especially CPP. with stuff like this. Yeah. Does it's now, through CPP? I haven't done yeah, it. There's okay. two different ones, right? Okay. I think- Oh, there's temporary think- and there's permanent, isn't there? Something like that?
1: Well, here we have the CPP disability, or we have disability through social services. Okay. Now, so if you're on social services... And you get a disability, like my daughter right now, who's been either she's got what I have or she has MS. They did a spinal tap the other day. They're going to find out for sure. Mm -hmm. She's on social services right now because she can't work. Mm -hmm. And if she has, whatever comes, the result comes out of it, she will go on to social services disability because she never worked enough to make, to put into CPP. Okay.
2: Which is if, for, because I'm recording this and we share it, CPP is Canada Pension Plan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... I was denied.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then I kind of took it as, like, what do you do? Like, with Fiverr and, and me, you don't have a, sometimes you don't have a whole lot of fight in you, right? You no.
2: Get, right? It's you exhausting.
1: So I just did little odd jobs here and there to help out. My spouse works full time, so that's a, a good thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I decided to try again. Mm hmm. And again, denied. Mm -hmm. And then I went to uh, an advocate. Okay. Who specialized in this. Okay. And it took me, so that was two years, three years. Then it took two years with the advocate. uh, And I have the stack of paperwork that she did. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's like that. And the way she wrote it was brilliant because what they go by is, uh, they deny you be pro- prolonged and severe, okay? So, fibro and ME are prolonged and severe. That's mm-hmm. been
3: proven.
1: Right. But if there's any chance at all that you can do any work, like any type of work, mm-hmm. and that's what I was going to say, after being denied the second time, they actually offered me retraining. Retraining the different. because I said, I there's only, like, I've. Milk cows and trained horses all my life. Right, not a lot. No,
2: and you can't do that physical so they, work anymore.
1: Yeah, so they retrained me, and I took a youth care worker course because I thought, well, I used to work with youth when I was really young in Vancouver and helped them out. That might be something I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. I did the course, finished it, <clears throat> got a job, and it's it just uh, it's too the government. Part of it is to uh, stuff that was going on within the system I didn't agree with
3: mm-hmm.
1: with care work and foster care and all that. So that'd be hard. I actually, and plus a lot of the places you have to work uh, overnight shifts, so you're up from 9 p.m. till 9 a.m. the next day. I can't do that. That's I couldn't do
2: that. No, no. I physically couldn't could. do that.
1: Couldn't. Yeah. So. So I didn't. I mean, I went to the school and everything, but and they did let me off without going to find a job in it because of my my disability. It was getting worse as I was schooling. So, Mm -hmm. and so when you say it was
2: getting worse, what was that like?
1: So the more pain, more cognitive issues, things like oh, I used to read. I used to be a a avid reader. I could read a book in a night. Now it Mm -hmm. takes me a month. Because yeah. I read the same page 50 times.
2: Right. It's like you don't retain it. You don't... Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I used to be a writer. I, I've published writer and I can't do that anymore either because mm-hmm. I can't focus long enough. I can't find the words. I can't... I, I'll... It just doesn't sound as good. Yeah. And, <clears throat> so... All the kind of like math and... I mean... Sometimes I can I'm pretty good but other times i I can look at something very simple and, and just not I don't know what it is mm-hmm. and it's just because mm-hmm. your mind functions that way
2: yeah and it's hard I think like from my experience is just how unreliable it is so it's yeah. like kind of what you're talking about with school or with a job it's you could show up one day and be totally competent and then maybe nothing happens or maybe you don't sleep well and you show up the next day and you're just staring at whatever work you need to do like i'm supposed to figure this out yeah
1: stress stress causes flares yeah and of course when you're in school you have exams and stuff well that's that stresses you out Mm right and then oddly enough although i was probably (laughs) i was 40 what was i 40 trying to think my daughter was only two when i went back so 49 now. <laughs> See? I can't even think of yeah. simple math. No. In my it's early a... Okay. All the other girls and a couple guys. They're yeah. in the 20s. Right? Yeah. They're just out of high school. Right. So they're still in that high school
0: mode. Yeah.
1: So then you, you're you dealing with with drama and stupid... I was thinking, like, this is stuff that even in high school I didn't have to deal with. Yeah. I, you can hang out with me, and you can't. And, <laughs> oh, why didn't you come to this party? And, oh, my God.
2: Yeah. You're like, so, I'm glad not to be 20 anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, after I got out of the school, I was glad. And then my spouse came to the understanding that I can't, like, work full-time. So I found an advocate.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's and, when you started looking.
1: And then she she wrote it in the way of saying yes it's severe and prolonged but they had to look at the fact that even though I have good days and if somebody was to hire me the quality of work that I could do is what's questionable. I cannot be a productive employee. Mm-hmm. So she really went on with on that part of it and I think that's what made them change their mind what they because they seem like even though she can maybe go to work two days a week and be great the other four she's not going to be productive right and what company's he's going to keep you
2: and what's the I mean I guess the government might not care but from my perspective I've been thinking about a lot it's also what's the harm being done to you if you force yourself to go to work on days when you know you're going to pay for it You know, like if, if there were magical jobs out there, which there aren't really, but I think there should be where you could, there weren't deadlines. And so you could choose to do work on your two productive days and then choose to rest on those four days when you need to rest. I think like mad, if that magically existed, that could be good for your body. But we kind of, we ruin our productive days when we have to push ourselves through those other days. It's like a terrible cycle.
1: And so then they did the, uh, the nurse, uh, supposedly, that knows about fibro and ME. I'm, I'm not sure how much those CPP, CPP nurses know. But mm-hmm. I, I thought, here we go again. It was taking a long time. I wasn't getting a reply. And then I got a phone call and she said, we've approved you.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
1: was like, whoa. <laughs> so... I got approved for my CPP disability, which will carry it till I'm sixty-five, and then you go to your old age, right? Right. Um, so they ended up pay- putting me on that and giving me back pay till my diagnosed year of two thousand and six. Oh wow! So, and you know what? The money was great, nearing but what I was really happy about was that finally they uh, they accepted this. They yeah. understood.
2: The acknowledgement.
1: Yeah. And for everybody else out there that's trying, it'll make it a little easier. hmm So that went through good. I'm on disability, but I do have the option to make um, up to, I think it's $5,400 a year. Okay. Without I was going to ask about help. that. Yeah. You don't even have to tell them. Okay. So I ended up, I'm the type of person that, well, one thing I found with this, and, and a lot of people will will argue this, but I, for me it works. I can't lay around and sit around. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm in pain or I'm tired, if I do that, I seize up and I'm in worse shape. Yeah. So I make myself every day, I move about, I do things. Sometimes I, I actually push myself too hard most of the time. I have two horses, so I'm out there. I give lessons, so I, that's the part that I get into. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried the, you know, slaying in bed and, and sucking it up, but I found myself getting worse. Yeah. Worse. Worse.
3: Right. So,
1: so basically, I have now the option to rest when I want, which I do. Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> made myself do that. I do some pet sitting, which. So, I, right now I have a little dog here that I'm watching for five days. Great. And I love animals. So, I decided that's where I want to.
2: Use the energy you have. Stay. Yeah.
1: And, of course, being so experienced with my horses, with the industry, I decided, well, I don't have to take. Green young horses anymore, and ride ride the buck out of them because I can't. I'm not even. Uh, I won't heal. Yeah, <laughs> but I can give lessons. Right. And I can sit down during a lesson. Yeah. I can take a break. So I do that. I give lessons now, and I ride my own. hmm And I do the pet sitting, and I that's what I can make that work around me. Like right. I can take breaks i can i set the days i set the hours i set well the pet sitting obviously the clients sure times, but But
2: you get to choose when you walk or feed or whatever yeah. the actual work is how
1: hard is it? it's not like a child where you have to change diapers and get a bottle and do yeah. a, a dog you let yeah. them out and you feed them yeah and take them for a walk if it's nice right yeah so that ended up working in my favor mm-hmm and I just actually, even though, even though you still do everything like that, I just had a horrible flare over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in bed. Yeah. For 24 hours. Yeah. And then I always feel guilty because my daughter's seven. Well, she'll be seven this month, June. Mm-hmm. I feel guilty because now I, I, I can't interact right. with her and her dad has to do everything. and mm-hmm. But... If I don't, I, I, I just won't function.
2: Right. If you um, don't take the rest when you need it. Exactly. It doesn't help anybody. No. Right.
1: And I overdid it. And I, I know, I see, I now know when it's going to happen. Because on the weekend before, like last weekend, I was helping my, my the owner of the farm. She's my friend now. I was helping her clean out sheds, running shelters. And I knew. I thought, I'm going to pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, I did, Mm -hmm. but at least it was only, like, it was about a a one day, 24 hours in bed, but a week of more pain than usual, and now it's just starting to level out again, so it's Mm -hmm. not so bad. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and I did end up, just a few months ago, I went and I did go back to that dispensary, and I asked her, what can I take that's not going to get me stoned? Right. Like why I haven't been back. I just, so she recommended vaping and she said two parts CBD to three parts THC. Okay. And honestly, that does not get you high, but it takes the pain away. Mm-hmm. Oh. So we, we found, so yeah. we've been trying we that. We found a good balance. Yeah. So I bought a vape pen mm-hmm. and, uh, she gave me a vial of CBD, the mix. Yeah, I still have it. Like I, she, I said, how long it lasts. She said, it depends on how, t- how much you vape it, right? Yeah, totally. I know people that sit there and vape every ten minutes. Yeah, I, I only use it when I'm in big pain, right? And to help sleep sometimes. And yeah, I don't survive Now here's the, the thing, and I have to find out legally in Canada, because now. If you get caught driving,
3: oh,
1: right, flat. It's zero. What is it? Point? No, it'd be more than that. The percentage of THC, I think, would render me to, in the eyes of the law, impaired. Mm -hmm. So I need to find out. Okay, if I vape today and I drive tomorrow, right, and pull me over. This shows up obviously. We all know THC stays in your system for yeah. months.
2: Right. Yeah. How are they testing that, and what? Yeah, that's a good question. I never thought about that because I, I guess I've never thought about how it compares to alcohol, which you obviously you process out of your system very quickly.
1: Right. And THC stays in your system for months. Right. Months. And <clears throat> now they're like they've been advertising. It's it's the same thing as drinking right you're going to get charged the same and yeah. if i lost my vehicle i would that would do me in i wouldn't be able to get to my horses i wouldn't be able. right to, i live in a small town yeah i mean you need it I walk that far so you know i'm gonna to have to find out the laws
2: on that because yeah how and you're kind of what your ratio is in terms of like right. how much how much is there when you use the vape pen yeah. However, however much is the most that you use it? How much is in your body the next day? That's a good yeah. question. Whatever the yeah. equivalent of a breathalyzer is. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. I just right now it's still like the dispensaries are still. They can go and take uh, shut them down still. So yeah, she's open, but she, she's got a really good. Uh, oh, what do you call it? She works really well with the police, mm. but she, she's not doing this for stupid reasons. She, she's absolutely all about it, med- medical purposes, and yeah. it's her, she's used it for her Crohn's, and it's helped her, and so she work, has a good relationship with the police. Right. So they, they don't really bother her, but she knows if they come, they will just shut her doors. They won't take her product.
3: so that's good yeah
1: whereas they went to other dispensaries here and they've actually taken everything Mm -hmm. cbd even which is stupid because cbd isn't it's not
2: right it's not intoxicant
1: no yeah it's not a psychoactive drug Mm -hmm.
2: so it's such a weird gray area right now in so many places because i remember when they were doing that in toronto when they were there were i mean a lot of dispensaries opened up in toronto maybe four years ago there yeah. were there were so many. They were like on every block on some of the main streets. And then there were a couple of times when police raided like a lot of them all at once. And it's yeah. I'm sure I'm sure some of the people running them are like shady. And a lot of them they were doing it because they knew it was going to be legalized soon, and they were trying to get ahead of the market. But there are lots of people who who know that medical marijuana can be so helpful, and they just want to help. Oh, so.
1: exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, but yeah. So then I have a couple other like direction questions. Are we still good for time? I'm charging my watch right now. Yeah. So if we're still good for time. So you said like you've done lots of research and you've researched all the medications that you've ever tried. Is there anything else that's come up while you've been researching? Like I know people will get, I mean, this happens to me. So that's partly why I'm asking, like into wondering about environmental stuff or diet stuff or like supplements. Or have you gotten, you know, have you gone down any of those wormholes in your research? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
1: Yeah, I um first of all, vitamins. Yeah, I take uh, vitamin B12, mm-hmm. which really helps with energy. Yeah. I mean, I'm like Speedy Gonzales, but it's,
2: but you know a difference. Not,
1: and vitamin D, mm-hmm. and that's especially helpful for me cuz of my age. Mm-hmm. And uh Actually, probably a multivitamin and an extra vitamin B12, mm-hmm. because there's not enough in your multi. Mm-hmm. And then I went, I researched, uh, like, different foods. So I went off red meat, which I found helped my IBS a lot. Okay. So I, I, I went off red meat. I eat lots of fr- veggies and pro- and fruits, and I stay away from... Very rare do I have deep-fried stuff anymore.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Hot and spicy stuff bothers my stomach now. IBS is a huge symptom of fibro. Okay. And uh, I think definitely looking up the foods that we eat and picking the healthier ones is the way to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Environmental, absolutely. I think there's stuff in our food and water that's done this to us. Yeah. I honestly think so because because they can't figure out how what how you develop it. Right. And the theories, but you look at it, if you even if you even researched areas like the UK. The UK has a huge amount of people with with ME. Mm-hmm. ME is huge there. Right. And, and you see how many people there have it compared to Canada and compared to the States and compared to Asia, Asia, I honestly, I haven't heard of it.
0: Right.
1: So what you got to think, what's going on in these areas that are causing people to get this? Mm -hmm. And I'm not a conspiracy (laughs) theorist. Nothing
2: you say is going to make me like think you don't have credibility. Don't worry. I, I get deep into this stuff. So.
1: But like I don't know, I and and I the guy I try I started a support group from where I live here, but uh, so far it was just me and this other guy. Which I don't know, people just they don't. I don't. know. He said the same thing. He he said you know I think there there is something in the water, and there is we know there's stuff being sprayed in the sky and mm-hmm. chemtrails and all that. So <clears throat> this could be causing a lot of this you know what I mean
2: yeah definitely definitely I found I mean I have a like a Berkey water filter it's like a basically it's a metal container with the chart with charcoal cartridges and then it has it removes fluoride and it's basically like it's designed to be used in like in the developing world so that you could turn I don't know like (laughs) swamp water into drinkable water and I just use it for everything Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like it filters out everything because I just don't I'm like, I know I don't, I drink tap water my whole life. Maybe tap water is fine for me, but like, I just don't. Cause before I knew like what would, what would help me? I just wanted to like get as many things out as possible. Yeah. And it's the same, like, well, we have to do it. I'm buying an air filter soon for my bedroom. Yeah. Like I eat gluten free, which helps a lot. And I mostly just eat meat and vegetables, which I like, cause I don't have trouble with meat. I know other people who have trouble with meat, but I don't, it works well for me. And then I actually just found out. So I, I mentioned the beginning I had a really big flare this fall. Oh. And it turns out that that was actually caused by toxic mold in my house. Oh. Yeah. So I had, I had like, you know, you, you hear about this stuff, but I had never really kind of learned about it before. And what could make mold toxic to you? And I just, I started having all these neurological symptoms that I'd never had before. Like I got a really bad tremor and I had, nerve pain neuropathy and I just like all this stuff kind of it felt like out of nowhere I'd always had fatigue but kind of like when you were describing the pain coming in and for me it lined up with moving into a new house and it turned out that there was this like single environmental factor that made things so much worse so Mm -hmm. I wonder a lot about since like is it like I don't think that it's the cause of it
1: I think that it makes it worse
2: yeah yeah. Cause I mean, my husband was fine, right? Like right. one of us yeah. got, oh,
1: good. yeah.
2: Yeah. One of us got radically sicker and couldn't walk anymore. And one of yeah. us was like, oh, maybe my allergies were a little bit worse. So yeah. it tells you, you know, I think there was something already happening, but just because fibro and ME especially aren't, there isn't, there's no good diagnostic criteria. There's no good tests. Like you said at the right. beginning about the fibro tests, And I just, I have this suspicion that like there's probably a whole bunch of different groups within each diagnosis who are the most affected by different things. Like there are definitely people who are more affected by mold. And then there are probably people who are more affected by whatever in their diet. And it's like caused by all these different things. So, what do do you have a theory for what made you sick specifically? Not really.
1: I thought maybe it's the head injury. I yeah. One thing. But. Right. I'm, I'm very much a fact and logical person. Mm-hmm. And I need facts to back things up.
2: And that's not provable.
1: And I, I could never prove it. Yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. So I just remember getting sick a lot when I was little. Yeah. And being in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it started back then, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm still too, where the part, I'm like, um, moderate, I'm not severe, mm-hmm. like, you know, my, interestingly enough, you could talk about genetics, I think it's hereditary, because I'm my daughter, mm-hmm. like I told you. Mm-hmm. Either has MS or, and I think she has fibro, regardless, she has MS, she has fibro. My son has ankyl spondylitis, mm. and I also think he has fibro.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, um, genetically, I think that it's definitely possible to pass it on to your children, mm-hmm. because I've, I've heard of other people that said, yeah, my 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 daughter has it, or... Whoever, right? Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> and now where was I going with this train of thought?
2: <laughs> well, I was just saying, do you have a theory for you? And you said maybe the head injury, yeah. but um, you, it's, you can't so, really know.
1: So, my mom, okay, my mom developed Alzheimer's uh, about five years ago. Okay. And she, I can remember though, before that. She had a lot of complaints that were in line with fibro, mm-hmm. and again, never, no doctor thought about it. And my dad, well, actually, he's had a few things too, but not quite as much. But then I think back to my grandma that I never met from my mom, mm-hmm. well, she had the same kind of things, and then my dad's mom had the same, like. I think there's kind of a pattern here. Yeah. So it could be I inherited.
2: Right. That there was something going on. And then maybe the modern environment has made it worse even. Or maybe it was always bad and you just don't know.
1: The environment, what we live in, Mm -hmm. is making it worse. Mm -hmm. So... uh, i'm sure you watched that documentary
2: by jennifer bray i haven't but it's coming to my town in two weeks and i'm so excited so i haven't seen it yet but i'm about to but please talk about it
1: well i'm not gonna. i mean it's not like there's a big plot and a big climax right it's the documentary Right, right of course
2: yeah and
1: uh she she did the same thing as we were doing, and right. she looked into everything—why, what causes, and the mold and everything—and and she's very severe. Obviously. She's mm-hmm. you know bedridden most right. of the time, but and, and then she has the a good days too. But but uh, like right now, I'm just thinking. I'm mod- I'm moderate, and I've been thinking well you know. Uh, eventually, I think I'll need to get a motorized scooter just mm-hmm. to go. Be able to go out. For yeah. my, I love being outdoors.
2: Yeah.
1: Right now, my horse. If I want to go hiking, I ride because that's the, the horse does I, the walking. Yeah. But I get and and I'm sore after that. Too, yeah. So it's not. It still works. Thing I can do. But uh, just thinking about when you see the how severe some people are, like. It's scary to think that you know we can get to that, and maybe we won't. But we won't. We don't know.
2: Yeah, you can't know, we, and we, that it can happen kind of suddenly, or like you. Yeah. And and sometimes you know, like you mentioned, you worked too hard on the weekend, or maybe on Friday, and then on the weekend you had a rough day, mm-hmm. and then you you still expect to bounce back. But sometimes it takes longer to bounce back, and you just like, it's a funny thing to be reckoning with all the time. I think.
1: Oh, exactly. And have you ever had people say, like, do you find that you have um, people
2: that don't understand? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think something that is becoming a theme kind of in, like, these conversations that I started to have is exactly that. It's like, how do you explain it to your friends and family if they don't see it? So, you know, like, my husband gets it because he... He's the one who like feeds me when I can't make food for myself. And so he can see how physically hard it is. But if it's someone that I don't see very often, but like, you know, uh, sometimes even a good friend and you kind of try to explain it, you're like, oh, well, I couldn't get out of bed yesterday. And they're like, huh. And maybe they like compare it to their experiences and -hmm. they think about choosing to stay in bed. Like that sounds nice. What a fun, relaxing day. You're like, no, no, it wasn't a fun, relaxing day. It was awful. Exactly. It's like we don't have good language for it. I mean, you know, you could say fatigue or you can say pain. But someone who hasn't experienced it at a chronic level, they're imagining whatever they've experienced. And it's just not, they're like not even, they're not related at all. (laughs) No. I think that's a problem with doctors too. Like one of the reasons that a lot of doctors don't, understand is you use those words to them and they just like you're it's like you're speaking a different language
1: yeah exactly
2: and then i also think like does this i mean especially since you've been navigating it for so long like people have trouble understanding the chronic part of chronic illness so if you get the flu and if you're getting the the flu twice a year if you get the flu people like expect you to get better So maybe they'll like bring you soup or something, you know, people, people make gestures, but they make gestures expecting that they only have to make one or two gestures because it'll be over soon. Yeah. And when you have chronic illness, you're like, it's kind of never going to be over. Like sometimes it'll be good and we can have a more normal friendship, but I might need accommodations indefinitely. And like, what is that like, you know, people don't, Get it. One of the reasons that I want to start, that I'm talking to people more is, like, I hate that we don't see it in, like, movies or TV or anything. You don't see, and, like, any of them. So, there's, like, there's the ME fibro kind of world, and there's kind of the chronic Lyme world, and then, and then there's, like, everything that's autoimmune, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big category, and then there's, like, genetic conditions. This is my mental map. Genetic conditions are, like, so, like, Angie's Ankylizing spondylitis losis, but you know the one. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and uh, and Ehlers-Danlos, I would put kind of off over there too, EDS. And like, you don't see people with any of these conditions represented anywhere. So if you don't know somebody who's living with chronic illness, you could very easily have no idea just like how it works or what it's like. Whereas, I mean, like the flu, you just know people. And then there's like a million movies about cancer and Alzheimer's now. So people only have context for a few ways that health can kind of break down. You know what I mean?
1: But I think there's one um, documentary has put a now. And I think there's going to be more documentaries, more... Shows more stuff about chronic. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, well, I'm going to say ME yeah. <clears throat> and fibro. Yeah, uh, and they really, really outdid themselves this year with the millions missing. Yeah, a lot of cities represented. Mm-hmm. Not in Canada. Not one. Really. I was so disgusted with that, and yeah. Um. Like I said, when I put a ad up here, putting a support group, I said online, and eventually we could all meet, right? Mm-hmm. If it's in my area. Well, I had one lady say, "Yeah, I have I have fibromyalgia," and she never got back to me. Mm-hmm. And then this one guy, and it's really me and him right now. Yeah. And uh, how do you how do two people stand up for the sickness? in this big country you can't.
2: Right. More
1: you need more people on board. Mm-hmm. And these people that did these uh did the millions missing I mean these are sufferers. They were not well. Right. And they went anyways and stood up. Like mm. Mm-hmm. It's just it's amazing. I just I don't understand Now for such a technologically driven society we are that we're not further ahead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think, like I always watch now with my little girl for signs. Mm -hmm. Like if she says, like the other day, I've noticed she's becoming um, sounds. Certain sounds annoy her, mm-hmm. and I noticed like her back was sore.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, every time I think, "Oh boy, is this going to be fibro? Is she going to develop fibro?" <laughs> yeah, but this the the sense the sensitivity to sound and and noise and stuff is not really fibro; it's me related. Mm-hmm. And that that's a that's a huge one because you know you're sitting there your partner wants to play some music, and if you're in a day where sound is bothering you, mm-hmm. you ask them to turn it off because it's really, it's actually hurting you, they don't understand. Right. Well, you know, you used to listen to heavy metal all the time. Well, oh, I can't listen to it all the time now. Yeah. I listen to it actually very, very rare now. Yeah. Or light. Not, like I have shades on all dark curtains in all the living room and my room. Mm-hmm. I have them drawn most time. Today's the light's not blaring in here so bad, so I actually have them open. Mm-hmm. Um, if he comes home, he whips open the blinds and that,
2: and I put my sunglasses on. Yeah, I can't tolerate it. Yeah. And do you get migraines? You mentioned them. Oh, yeah. yeah, you yeah. get them ongoing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing. I can't find anything to take a
1: migraine away. Tylenol doesn't touch it. No. Advil doesn't touch it. None of the medications over the counter touch it. Mm-hmm.
2: That's how my my husband. He went through a period where he was getting really bad cluster migraines, and he had never smoked pot before in his life. And that was when he started looking at it, and it was it was the same. It was like medical marijuana wasn't available in every state, but like, you know, they ran so many tests, everything came back fine. Mm-hmm. he was on a bunch of prescription medication and nothing made a difference and it was just the only thing that yep. could even touch it yeah was it legalized in massachusetts now so it is in transition basically oh. it, they did a vote i think before i moved i just moved to massachusetts but they did a vote for recreational so full legalization um and it was supposed to come through like last year maybe or at the last election And it was supposed to start in January and then they pushed it back to July so that they would have more time to, you know, sort out whatever licensing issues. But I think July 1st is when it's supposed to become available. And so they have however many licenses to be able to sell it. And then medical was already legal. So first they let medical dispensaries apply for recreational sales and then they opened it up to other people. And so apparently on July 1st, you'll be able to purchase it, but they're going through – I think mass, I think one of the reasons is the same thing that's happening in a lot of cities and states is that once you legalize it, what do you do with all the people who are in prison for, like, petty drug offenses, basically? So, or
1: have records because of them.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so it's, like, it's happening piecemeal. A lot of cities are forgiving people and releasing people if they just – if they only have marijuana charges. But it's, like, kind of a legal wormhole or, like – Wormholes, maybe the wrong word, but quagmire—it's a legal quagmire once you legalize something that's been illegal for so long. Well,
1: that in Canada they're saying anybody that has a criminal record—they're thinking they'll just expunge that mm-hmm. if it's anything to do with marijuana.
2: If it's just marijuana,
1: and yeah. uh, which would be good for a lot of people here because then they could to go to the states. Yeah, because have that on your, At your all? record, you can't. Yeah, not even chance. Nope. Yeah, I mean. Like, luckily, I didn't ever have that. My spouse does, and he can't go to the States.
3: Mm -hmm. So
1: if that happens, it'll be a good thing. Yeah. But, um, and the fact that we here can grow medical marijuana, like I can grow five plants. Yeah. And you can five grams per plant, I think they said. Yeah. Or five, five. Yeah. So I can legally have them in my house, but now now here's there's another conundrum. Right now, there's nothing been done about these criminal records. So mm-hmm. If I'm growing mar- marijuana in my house, is <clears throat> he's got a criminal record because of marijuana? Is he going to get in trouble? Am I going to get in trouble?
2: Right, right,
1: right. So, and it's a small community here, yeah. and I know the RCMP. <laughs> yeah, I know them quite well, and I don't want any issues and. No problems like I don't I don't need that right no and I mean they're still taking kids away from parents that have caught with pot, so like it's not a good thing
2: right Wow, <clears throat> but
1: I, at least I have my license to back me up if something happens
2: like, mm-hmm.
1: but I don't carry on me I don't ever take my pen with me anywhere mm-hmm. I don't I don't even risk it yeah because like the lady told me. They can take your stuff, but they won't charge you. Hmm. I'm not even going to give them
2: the opportunity to take it. Right? right. Just don't even go there. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it'll be interesting, and and they're figuring ways out right now. How they're going to tax it, and they're doing what's going to profit them, right? The government, like mm-hmm. they're they're making they're trying to figure out a way that's going to profit them. Yeah, I
2: mean, of course. <laughs> and if they
1: don't, like I said, I. If you if you overcharge, you're just gonna drive the black market deeper. Like mm-hmm. people are still gonna go underground to get it to get it cheaper. And, mm-hmm. So I think they're just trying to figure out a balance right now. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, right now, what did I pay for? Hundred dollars for, and this stuff has lasted me now two months. So that's not bad. No. So, if it stays at that, I'll be happy.
2: Yeah. And because when you're buying like the vape inserts, I mean, I don't know how big it is. I'm just pulling my fingers out. But when you're buying something that's a little bit processed, you're also like, okay, I, I know that like work has gone into this and it's easy yes. and there's a product here as opposed to like flowers where you're like, well, if I, if I trusted somebody that wasn't credible, I could maybe pay less. But yeah, it's a production. No, one. not
1: here. I wouldn't even try it in too many cases, especially with uh, fentanyl being laced into it and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not even worth the risk. No. It's not worth the risk.
2: No. So, and mostly,
1: well, I've never really bought off the street, per se, but I would buy from a friend who bought from a friend that was doing, it was the dealer, right? Right. But then I didn't know the dealer personally, so still, I, yeah. you don't know.
2: Yeah, it's a different kind of world when it's all underground like that.
1: Yeah, and it it puts you into that at that time you mm-hmm. were put into that criminal element. Yeah, you want to be in that criminal
2: element yeah. of it all. You just want to be not in so much pain, like yeah, yeah.
1: exactly.
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay, I think we covered all of my topics. Is there anything else that like is important to you to talk about about this stuff, or anything else come to mind while we've been chatting?
1: Just, uh, I think we just have to keep pushing it ahead and making it, creating awareness and yeah. and making it known and, and stop calling it the the uh, silent sickness or the the invisible sickness. Let's make it. let's make it visible let's Mm -hmm. make it known yeah because it stays this way that it's not it's it's not going to get anywhere
2: there's no no one has any motivation to fix anything when everyone's like quiet and sleeping which is how they feel yeah
1: and and a lot of people need to start just talking to their doctors more into and tell, tell their doctors what they've done for research and what they know. And then you'll be surprised how the doctors will, a lot of them, like mine, mm-hmm. will start asking you for
3: mm-hmm.
1: answers. And, and not like answers that are going to apply to anyone else. It's always just you and him. But, you know, like I I gave him, well, I gave I said, I have homework for you. And he laughed. And <laughs> he said, I got so much already. I said, no, you need to watch this documentary on rest. Yeah. It's on Netflix. You have Netflix. Yep. I said, okay, watch this. I said, then you will understand mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm going through. Yeah. I'm not as severe, but you'll understand. And he said, thank you. Thank you so much. I will. He didn't even know. There yeah. was a documentary on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, this is important. That's There's some books and some there's some other documentaries that I really like as well. There's a Lime documentary called Under Our Skin that's, I think it's kind of, I haven't seen unrest yet, like I said, but I will in two weeks. But, um, it's, it's a similar kind of thing. It follows, it talks to patients and it follows them through a little bit of treatment and then it talks to doctors and goes through the problems they have treating because of like the politics around it because Lyme is really politically charged for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It just like really captures that well. Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing is, you're going to take your spouse with you to see unrest, right? Yes. Okay, good, because it also goes over the caregiver's role. So her spouse's role. Mm-hmm. And how <laughs> I mean, literally, they get, they get into, tough, not huge fights, but they, they get into some pretty harsh arguments. Mm-hmm. And but how he stands by her. Like, this guy is incredible. He mm-hmm. he's stood by her, like, He's incredible, but he's also got a. Ma- he's just connected to the media in such a huge way that that's why they could do this documentary. Yeah, but um, bringing awareness to <clears throat> the people that help you and look after you that's yeah. so important. Yeah, because they can just like when I looked after my mom with Alzheimer's, you can burn out. You can get to the point where you cannot do it anymore. Mhm, and so it's good that anybody that's associated like a spouse somebody close like a spouse or or even like a parent or whatever to see that documentary and read the literature with you to understand it mm-hmm. to help understand it. Mm-hmm. yeah so he, you'll see you'll see it in the documentary you'll go, oh my god my husband was like that at one- i remember him doing that yeah <laughs> was saying, oh, i was doing that too like, yeah like they get They get in the fight over mold. Like, it's hilarious, really, but it's, you know. Oh, yeah. it's.
2: We don't know. Yeah, I mean, we just moved because of mold, and so now we're going through the process of, like, throwing away or cleaning all of our stuff. And and he's doing most of it because, like, one, he has more energy than me, although (laughs) I've been doing a lot better since we moved. And, two, I, like, shouldn't be exposed to the stuff that was kind of out and about in our house before it's cleaned because it could make me sick again, although probably less sick. Like this. Yes. And so as I've been feeling better, I'm getting more like relaxed about it. And I'm like, no, I don't think we need to be that crazy about cleaning. <laughs> and he's like, no, he's like, it's not okay that you're not that, like, you were so paranoid before and you're letting it go. It's good that you feel better, but like, don't feel better to the point that you make yourself sick again. That's not yeah. what we're doing. We didn't yeah. do all of this work to just like get lazy at the end. I'm like, Okay, right. Of course. So... <laughs> It's funny. But, yeah, it's a whole, it's like a full-time project for both of you when one of you is sick and one of you is taking care of the person that's sick.
1: Oh, I I absolutely agree. And how many, and I've seen tons of uh, relationships Mm end, where because the the partner can't deal with the sickness anymore. Um, They can't, because there's so many things they have to give up. Yeah, too. yeah and and huge parts of a, that what make a relationship like um, intimacy and that you read most 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 people with our sickness don't have a huge you know intimate life right <laughs> and that that can make a partner wander and yeah. a lot of a lot of us have even said you know you we if you find someone we'll let you go like we're not gonna try and keep you because it's not fair to you right my spouse says no you wouldn't do that but
2: yeah but it's Absolutely. it's it's yeah it's in your brain when you're going we're committed or we're married or, yeah and i'm no longer able to be in this relationship the way that i hope to be <laughs> or wanted to be
1: well who wants to make somebody go through that yeah like it, and all the caregiving and giving up vacations or or activities or whatever. I want somebody to live their life to the fullest. Yeah. And like I said, I still at least have my horses and I've got my 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 little one and my grandchildren.
3: Mhm.
1: Uh, but if you're in a relationship and you don't have any other hobbies or any goals or anything, yeah. and you go to work every day, that gets pretty redundant. Yeah. It's hard.
2: So. Yeah.
1: But, hard yeah, nurse. a lot of people in the, in the on our our fibro sites. that's that's a common theme. Yeah. Common. And I didn't think it was until I started seeing it. And I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The that thinks about it this way. Definitely. But he,
1: but he says that would be unfaithful, and he wouldn't be
2: unfaithful, so. It's like, not... <laughs> wait how long, let's see, let's see how long he can po- go through it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you just never know. I mean, I like, I think it's super interesting when people are healthy and open, they're like, you know what, like, we really care about each other and maybe we can't always be everything to each other. I don't know. I, I'm sure there are like lots of different kind of examples of how people navigate that when there's illness involved that I'll probably learn more about as I'm talking to more people. Well, Yeah. Yeah. You don't have children, right? Right.
1: Right. Are you planning to?
2: It is a question right now, partly because of all of this, because we're going, I, I, just coming out of a flare right now, I, my sister has three kids and they're, they're each three years apart. So they're all born kind of close together. Yeah. And I'm like, I am very aware of how little sleep that you get at the beginning. And, you know, I like. I do actually know how much work it is. I think a lot of people don't. They have like a dream idea about it. So yeah. I do, we both know how much work it is. And we're, we're just like, this isn't something that we could do right now. And no. like conceptually, I think I would like to have kids, but if, if we can't get it so that like, I'll survive if I don't sleep through the night. Cause mm-hmm. I, every time if I'm like up all night, I do need to spend the next day in bed. Yeah. And that's, like not really feasible. With he's like, I can't care for you and care for a baby full time. Well, that's no, sorry. and work. Yeah, like how to, exactly?
1: That's and that's what I would. You know what? I would tell somebody that doesn't have kids that has this. Be very, very, very careful on choosing whether. Yeah. To have kids, or not because uh, you are not only it doesn't come down to where you can't care for them is they're they're missing out on time too right so honestly i when i conceived this my daughter last daughter You're i honest. didn't think i could
3: mm-hmm.
1: but after i raised my two kids i thought wow i just got hit this is really where it's starting to hit hard thank god because i've raised them mm-hmm. and they don't need me 24 7. And then I had my daughter, who's very needy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the difference is, I raised my first two without their father. It was just me. Mm. And this now I have my Your spouse partner. with me. It helps. Yeah, It, it helps tremendously.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But honestly, I, I would tell most people, you know what? I don't think I'd go down that. I wouldn't go down that road again. Yeah. I would Yeah. Because you need to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unless you, unless you can get like a full time nanny or something. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you can probably do it. <laughs> yeah, or like even just a like a night nurse, like someone who's just yeah. so you can sleep through the night every night. Yeah, because that's like the running around and the time spent. I like I see that too because in this in the fall. I definitely was like I just couldn't really play with my niece and nephews. Be like, "Okay, I'll sit here while you guys do whatever you're doing." Yeah, but like I just can't I can't imagine I like I sleep 9 or 10 hours every night right now. And I've been waking up pretty refreshed lately, which has been great. It has been like a great mold-free change. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I stay up past 9:30, it's not good if I Well, exactly. If I wake up and I can't get back to sleep for a while, it's not good. Like, you just kind of, you have to protect all these things. And I think about it with work, but even more so with kids, when there's, like, non-optional obstacles. There's only so many things you can do.
1: Exactly. And I actually shouldn't, I can't say I did a lot of the, I had my daughter with a nanny for the first, till she hit preschool well four years old maybe mm-hmm. she was part-time at four years old so I had a lot of help, Good help. like I had days where she just I didn't have to do anything I could just rest mm-hmm. so that would make a big that difference worked out. and now she's older and she's more self-sufficient and yeah you know she can pour herself a juice or whatever right? yeah yeah so if 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 somebody ever asked I would say If you can implement that kind of a caregiver into your first four or five years, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a real great idea. Yeah,
0: it'll be really hard.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's important to think about.
0: Thank you for listening to the sixth episode of No End in Sight. I've got even more interviews recorded already for future episodes, so make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to commiserate with me on Twitter or Instagram about day-to-day life with chronic illness, you can always find me at bennisb. And if you want to share your story with me, just head to noendinsight.co and click share your story. I would absolutely love to hear from you. I also recently started a Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's pretty small right now, but I'd love it to become a place where we dig into all the questions about working and running a business while prioritizing your health. Last thing, this podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. For me, cross-stitch is a perfect way to occupy my mind and my eyeballs during flares when I mostly watch long TV marathons. I recently released my fall pattern collection, and I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com.